You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. or 7 p.m. We're going to ask some questions. We have been asking questions because we want to have a dialogue at the center of us. And I... Jude, I want questions from you, too, so don't forget, I'm talking to you, too. These are questions that especially little people need answered. And there's no, it's, you don't have, like, you can ask whatever question you want. But we're, we're asking questions kind of about what we're trying to do, what's God about, what's, what's a question from the Bible. It's kind of that kind of stuff we're asking questions about. Anything you're wondering about, anything you've seen, maybe that you don't know, maybe together we know more than just one of us does. That's the idea that we're sharing our common resources and our common spirit, okay? So we'll do this for just, you know, 10 minutes or so to see, see how long we can last because our attention spans are not universally long. All right, let's see what we can do. Any question is fine. Why in the garden of Eden, Adam and Eve Knowledge of good and evil? Why did Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And would they be eternal if they didn't? All right. Well, we've got to know about Genesis 1, 2, and 3. To know, to, that's where the story gets told, the first part of the Bible. Oliver, did you have an answer for that? Yeah, because the serpent convinced them. Okay, so why did they do it? Well, the serpent convinced them. That's, that's the story. The serpent is, is, is Satan personified and a snake. Yeah? Do you guys know this story? Have you heard the story before? I think that another way to ask that question, Abraham, is what is the meaning of life? <laughs> like, that's the big question. I think that that's what the people who wrote Genesis down were struggling with. They were trying to answer that question. What went wrong? What happened that it seems that people are bent in this way that they are. It seems like we keep choosing the bad even when we know what the good is. Josh, you have an answer too? What you got? I think it had a lot to do with uh, the lack of uh, relationship with the Lord at that point. I mean, the Lord was walking in the garden uh, with them, but I don't know that they were there that long. And so they didn't have that time to build that trust and understanding the goodness of what God was giving them. And so when they were tempted, it seemed better because they didn't have the full understanding of what God was giving them. Yeah, so it's, it's a lack of trust. And maybe they hadn't, and maybe, we don't know, because the story was such a long, long time ago, written down such a long, long time ago, and it doesn't have all this detail in it. But it could be that maybe they just didn't have an, an established relationship with God, you know? And, and that's what we can take from it, is that one of the things that's going to help us trust God is to continue to seek that relationship, to, to spend some time with God. And that, that's one of the reasons we have this Sunday meeting, is to spend some time with God together at least once a week. But we're also cultivating that life with God in our everyday lives. We also have these cells that meet throughout the week where we're cultivating that life with God. And one of the things that we do in my cell is we always check to see where God was in our life. So that's one of the, th- the main parts of our meeting that we have every Thursday night is we say, so where was God in your life this week? 
And we're, I keep asking that question because we want to have this daily conversation, this daily walk with God, this relationship, so that we can trust God, so that we can know God for real. And that's, uh, I think, one of the ways to, to keep moving with, with God and to kind of, I mean, Jesus has canceled the sin that, of the garden. So we are not stuck in the same place that Adam and Eve were. So we have the opportunity to actually walk with God in a new way because Jesus made a way for us. So we're not, we're not, we're, we're actually overcoming whatever it was that Adam and Eve were stuck in. And we can do that with Jesus's help. And I think it has to do with relating to God. I like that, that, uh, that setup, Josh. Thanks. What else do we have? Let's ask another question. I have a question. Okay, Annie. Um, what does God want to do with our lives? What does God want to do with our lives? I think that God wants us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit uh, and, and the Father and the Son. That's the great commission that, he, that, that is given in Matthew, and I think that's the, the purpose of humanity now, redeemed by Jesus. We, we were given pretty clear instructions. Another big one is to love our neighbor as ourself. Those are the two big ones. The great, the great commandment is to love, and the great commission is to go and tell people about God's love. It's that simple, and there is as many ways to do it as there are people. And each person has a tons of, way, tons of ways to do that as well. So that's what we should do. And, and, and asking God and your community how you can best do that, that's, how, that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're doing here now. Kim. Kim and I were talking on the way here today. He was remembering a time when we were driving through Camden on our way to a Sunday meeting, and we saw a bad fight between two men on the side of the road. And he was asking us why Jesus told us not to fight um, because you're supposed to love each other. Why people are still so he was he was talking about that and remembering that because it made him feel sad and a little bit scared for these men. And so there's a question. Yeah, I think the best place to start with that is some empathy and to remember the last time that we were feeling like we wanted to fight. Maybe we figured out how to not to get in the street and punch someone in the face or threaten someone with a weapon. Like we might not be doing that. But Jesus said one time that, you know, you've heard it said that if you murder someone, you're, you're gonna, they're going to take you to court you're, and, the, and you're going to be put to death yourself. But then Jesus said, but I tell you, because this is what Jesus was always doing. He was saying, this is how it was, but I'm going to take it to the next level. Actually, I'm going to take it down to the deeper level. He says, even if you call your brother a dum-dum, You've committed murder. You're liable for murder, and they'll be dragged in front of the court yourself. He said that. So we, I think, you know, it's easy to say, oh, those people are bad. They're fighting, you know. But I think that we need to remember that we want to fight a lot, too. And may maybe it's not our way to go fight in the street, but there's lots of ways that we fight. And I'm talking to the grown-ups as well as the, the kids. I know that... My, my boys, as brothers, often are fighting over something. That happens. But I also fight with my brothers. <laughs> um, I, 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 and, I, and I hold resentment. And that anger could very easily come out in violent ways if I don't pay attention to it. And I don't work towards uh, forgiveness and reconciliation as a way of life, as a preventative measure, because I know that I could be fighting in the street. It's possible. I can, I can imagine a world in which I would do that. 
okay? If my life were slightly different or if I just kind of go and run away from Jesus' teaching, I, I think I'm capable of that. I think all of us are. We can run away from what Jesus taught us. So we need to stay close and practice reconciliation and forgiveness as our way of life uh, so that we can both be an example to these men that are fighting in the street, but also so that we ourselves can avoid that, um, that push towards violence that I think is, is present in all of us. My answer was too long. Jude ran out of here. <laughs> Josh, you have a question? No. I want a question. Sorry. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Melissa. Lucy asked me a question this week. She's not here. Melissa's are in town. But um, she asked me, um, it's, I'm trying to remember exactly how she worded it, but either why we go, call God king or is God really a king? Hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. What do you think, Libby? <laughs> well, the people that, that God chose the people of Israel eventually had a king but originally they didn't they were just organized in a kind of a family system and they had like the heads of their different tribes and it was all kind of organic and not super organized but then they started to get a little more organized as they advanced and all the people around them had kings and they said to their, their main prophet, the guy that was connected to God the most among them, Samuel, he said, hey, Samuel, like you're in charge. Like you're the guy who talks to God for us. You're like, you have a pulse on what God's will is. We want you to make us a king. We want a king like all the other nations. And Samuel said, are you sure? Because if you have a king... He's going to lord it over you, and you're going to have to pay taxes, and you're going to have to do what he wills, and you're going to have to be kind of stuck under this. And, he, and if he goes wrong, you're all going to follow him wrong. You're kind of putting a lot of power on this one king. And, and Samuel said, are you sure? And the people said, yeah, everybody's got kings. We want kings, okay? Give us kings. And so God said through Samuel, fine. You want kings? I'll go with you. I'll go with you on this king thing. And so he made kings uh, and blessed the kings of Israel and, and was instrumental in choosing them and helping to make them grow up. So one of the most famous, the, the most famous king of Israel was David. And uh, it actually turned out okay. Even though it, it, it had a lot of problems having a king, it turned out okay. And God blessed David as like the chosen king and they built this big temple in Jerusalem and there was this great history in Israel where there was this great moment where everything was right because we had this holy king on God's holy hill, Jerusalem. It didn't last long though because kings are notoriously bad people. Uh, power is a dangerous thing. But nonetheless, God worked through it and decided to prophesy, okay, these human, normal human kings aren't really cutting it. So I'm going to install a king someday in the distant future that's going to get it right. And so there was, there was hope for a king that was going to get it right. Oh, man, is this king going to get it right? Is this king going to get it right? And none of them did until many, 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 many years later, a baby was born to a peasant girl and a carpenter, and his name was Jesus. And he wasn't a king like any other king, but he was a descendant of the, the best king, David. And so Jesus fulfilled this prophecy of the king of kings, 
the Lord of Lords, the God with us, the Prince of Peace, all these beautiful things about a, a human ruler that would do it right. And Jesus did, but not in a way that anyone expected. So king is kind of the idea that like the, the top person, the one who knows what's best and leads us. All of the human kings messed it up. But Jesus, who was the human and God, he was the, the king that got it right. And he changed what it meant to even be a king. Because most kings are about violence and power. But Jesus was about peace, vulnerability, and he even died at the hands of some other king and rose from the dead. So now he's the king of death. He's the king over death. He's the king of new life. So when we say king, we could also say top dog. We could say um, most magnificent one. We could say better than all the rest. That's what we're saying when we say king. It just so happens that it's embedded. It's inside the story of a people that had a king and thought king was a good idea, and God went with them on it. And that's one of the graces that God gives us, is that God goes with us on our ideas, even if they're not the best ones. It's pretty great. God comes to us as we are and relates to us in a way that we can respond and understand. Let's wait for one other person. Oh, thank you. Noah, yes, a little person. Slightly little. Is Jesus immortal? No, because Jesus died. Mortal means not going to die. So in one sense, we could say that now that Jesus has risen from the dead, he's kind of immortal. But I don't, that, that, this is like a, I'm going to have to talk to the, Joel, the masters in English, about the, 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 the idea of the word mortal and immortal. I would say that Jesus is resurrected um, and Jesus is eternal which is slightly different than immortal. Sorry, this is way over your head. <laughs> In the sense, Jesus is not going to die ever again. That I can say for sure. And Jesus existed before any of us was born. He is eternal. He was with God at the beginning of creation. It says in the first chapter of John that nothing was created that was not created through him. And Jesus came to earth as a human being and lived a mortal life. He died just like all of us die. But he also rose from the dead. And we will get to rise from the dead after we die, or maybe before. We might experience the resurrection before we die. Jesus could come back before then. And so we are eternal as opposed to immortal. Slight difference there, sorry. Got time for one more. G. I have a question. So why are some people left to be like homeless and beg in the street, and some people hit the lottery? <laughs> Yo, that's as hard as Abraham's. <laughs> that's again, that's like, what's the meaning of life? What is suffering? Why, why do things happen the way they do? I think that uh, trying to come up with a, an answer for why bad things happen is kind of, most of the, the answers that I've heard to that that are real kind of precise. Oh, I know the answer to that. Let me tell you. They, they're flimsy. They're brittle. Like you could say, I mean, I think some people have actually said because God knows better than we do, and somehow good's going to come of every bad thing. I've heard that story. I don't like that story because it just I can't comprehend it. It's possible that God is working through all the different bad things to make uh, a big good thing happen that I don't understand. But that's a difficult story for me. I don't know about you. I think it's helpful for some people, because, and that's why, they, that's why they tell that story. I've heard another one where it's a product of sin. 
the world is broken and messed up and it doesn't make sense. I mean, because if you hit the lottery, it's not even that good of a thing because you're just stealing a bunch of other desperate people's money. You know, that, the, the, the lottery is just us all giving our money to some other person <laughs> because we all, we're all hoping to get it. And so I know a lot of people who are super desperate. I know people who are homeless that get money and play the lottery as their main thing. What, like, what's your job? It's asking people for money so I can play the lottery because this is my only hope. And I get it. What else are they going to do when they're kind of stuck in that situation? But it's, it, it, it really fuels some desperation. I don't see a lot of hope there. And I, that, when I don't see hope, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, where's God in that? Because God is a God of hope. So, um, just a second, Annie. That's one, that's another answer is that um, the world's broken and messed up and everyone has the choice to do what they're going to do and everyone doing all of the things that they want to do results in this big kind of broken, ugly picture that has people that are super rich and people that are super poor. I don't like making a big theory about what God's doing with sin and evil, but I do, I can say for sure that like, it's not right that people are super duper duper rich and super duper duper poor. That's not right. I can say that with, I don't know if I can get a whole theory for everything, for how it all works, but I do know that Jesus said that we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. and who he defined as our neighbor is basically the person who is most distant from us. It's not just the person who lives on my block. It's the person who lives all around the world, the person who hates me, the person who wants to kill me, those are the people that we're called to love as well. So I want to, that's why we were watching that video, because we want to be involved in making the world right in a big way. And I think together we have that capacity. We can make, I don't know if we're going to get it all right, but we can do a lot more together to address those big separations of rich and poor. We can do something about that. Bryce. Can I add a sentence? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been meditating recently on when Jesus said, um, be content with the things that you have, because I think there's a contentment and a happiness that's beyond whether you have or what you don't have. And it does seem pretty messed up sometimes, but there's a contentment there. That's what he's asking us to live into. Thanks, Bryce. That was a big question. Does anyone have any more to add to the answer? Melissa, you do? Yeah, just a little bit. I just, I heard a video recently and um, it was a scientist and he basically said he, he didn't believe in God. They were like asking a scientist if he believed in God. But his reasoning, and I think it's something to ponder as people who do believe, um, his reasoning was that God is called all good and all powerful and that he doesn't see how you could be both when you look at this world of misery, that how can God be all good and not change all that, you know, if he has the power, you know? So, so his was like, either something's wrong in those wording or there's no God there, you know, was his thinking. And, I, and so pondering this question, I think ourselves of just like, I do think when I ponder it myself, I think it's, I think it's bigger than that. I think there's a lot of holes we can pick on, like, God being all good, all-powerful. All I think people have a role to play in this. I don't think we're powerless, you know? Um, but I just think that's something 
I think a lot of people rationalize that when that question comes up. And so they're like, oh, there is no God, because he's all good and all powerful, so I don't want that. Yeah, and I like this question. Either there's something wrong with the wording or there's no God. Because I have a personal relationship with God that I can't deny, and it's beyond my rational total understanding, it's just like I know it, I feel it in my bones, I default to, well, there's something wrong with the wording. And I'm going to have that mystery, and I'm going to have that question. And, and like I said, the people who come down with a really hard answer, both those that are atheists and those that are theologians that are, follow, are trying to follow God, I'm still unsatisfied. But I know that God loves me. I know that God loves each of us. And I know that God is present, especially among the poor and the suffering. That's the, that's the narrative of the Bible through and through. And so I want to go to those places and be a help to those kind of people, even more so. Not that the rich don't need God too, but God's people are called to the poor and to the suffering. And the rich are suffering, so you might find a way to be with them too. But also just a bit of kind of social theory. We're all poor in the grand scheme of things, okay? Like, like in the way the world works, we are at the bottom because the rich of the world are so rich that let's not let us be divided even socially or economically. We are all right next to each other on the scale. <laughs> even if some of us making, you know, relative lots of money, you know, and some of us are making no money. Still, we're much closer than any one of us is to the richest people in the world. And that's, that's something that, that really we can be united about. It's like, dang, what are we gonna do? Um, I'm gonna let that be enough. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.